Surfer dumping that waste, you could go to jail. And a handsome man like you, I'd hate to think what would happen. <laughs> I wouldn't go to jail. The legal owner of this plant would. Canary M. Burns. <gasps> this entire plant is in his name. So when they come to put C.M. Burns in jail, it's the canary that does the time. Sir, can, can you do that? Oh, yes. Tycoons have been doing it for years. Why, Standard Oil was once owned by a half-eaten breakfast. Hmm. Don't you get it? If you get rid of that bird, Burns is at your mercy. Get rid of a bird? No way. Their eyes are so expressive. Fool! You've learned absolutely nothing from my one-hour class. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review episode EABF10. It is CE Dol. I am Dando. I am Guy, and uh, I've got to say this episode struck quite the quite the chord because it did. Well, yeah, yeah because I've been trying to wrestle control away from Four Finger Industries from Dando for a little while now, and. <laughs> Oh no, every little power, bit of power I get, I realise, oh no, I think I'm going to leave it in the hands of the capable one, Mr. Brendan Dando himself. <laughs> Please, let him run the show. No, no, no. I actually thought this episode was, I, I remember enjoying it, and I, I did enjoy this. The thing is, it was a bit of a mixed bag. It sort of like didn't know what it wanted to be, what its story was. It had like three stories in one where the first part was Homer fearing he wasn't attractive to Marge. The next section was him trying to become a corporate success. And the third story was essentially him running the plant, but then losing touch with his family and loved ones as a result. So it was like, it was just sort of like, I wouldn't say a bunch of stuff that happened because it all connected and made sense, but there wasn't any real main story to the episode, if that makes any sense. The links between those three things, and that was very astute of you to point that out, they're all very, very tenuous. It was like, we've got these things to stick together. Let's just back away. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't even breathe. Look, don't, a deck don't of, even look a at it. Cards. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've made it into one coherent story, but let's not think about that too much. Let's just let's just go. <laughs> it's like when we it's like when we get Holly to sleep, and it's like if you even fucking breathe within her vicinity and wake her up, <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> so I'm getting the feeling that, and believe me, take this with a grain of salt. That in the writers' room there were probably ideas floating about it, like, oh, Homer's lost his virility, or you know, he's afraid he's not of attractive to Marge, as as you pointed out. Which is a story we've had before. It's a story we've had before, but it's like, oh, yeah. we can't really... Uh, we could stretch that into a whole episode, but how would we do that? And then there are the other two uh, segments, segments that you mentioned, or storylines that you mentioned, none of which feel like they could sustain a whole episode by themselves, or if they did, it would require a, a bit of effort. Whereas this is like, okay, we've got three-thirds that work, yep. let's, let's all slap them together and yeah, see if we can, you know, paper over the uh, the links, add a bit of glue, you know, slap a clock on it, all that kind of business. And yeah, you get CE Doll, which to my mind is not necessarily, it's not a bad episode by any stretch. It feels no, very much like we've had a few of these in season 14, just a good sitcom episode. Not necessarily a classic, but it's like you tune in, it's like, oh, okay. I had a few laughs at 20 minutes and change. Yep. Had, had a couple of smiles. 
actually has a, a nice little sweet ending that actually, I, I said this quite a bit, is it actually is earned in this. I mean, it's that's not a big emotional payoff, but it's just a nice little sweet. When Bart says, uh, see, this is the stuff that mum won't do with me. I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> and Homer, Homer and Bart are always at, at heads, always butting heads, but they still love each other. True. And of course, the makers of the show are self-aware enough to have that banner at the very end, cutting mm. right to the very end here. Homer's 305th, everything is back to normal barbecue. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you see, you never would have got jokes like that, I don't think, in the first 10 or so seasons. They're more inclined now to point out the fact that we're running out of ideas, guys, and we realise this is all the same old shit, but hey, what are you going to do? They're paying us. Yes. <laughs> you like, and you're, you're like watching the, it. <laughs> you like The Simpsons, don't you? You're yes. You're going to get some uh, repeats every once in a while. Yeah. Now, I also enjoyed Homer's just, it's just his drive in this. He's not doing it for any other reason but to better himself. And the only person he really sort of takes advantage of is Mr. Burns. That's true. I mean, I'm a sucker for any story where someone who's a bit of an underdog or a bit of a worm decides to turn a bit. It's like, yeah, today's the day I'm going to turn it all around. I can relate to these stories very, very much. Yeah. Hey, my favourite. What was your favourite moment from C.E. Doe? There was a line in it, actually, from uh, Megatronics Dude. I'm not going to say anything because it might ruin a question I have coming up later. Okay. But there's a line that I always liked, and I remember using with my friends a bit around, that must have been around the time this episode came out, where it's, wrong, life is easy, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> that, that pizza made me fat. <laughs> and we just grabs my old man, throws him out the window. <laughs> that was fantastic. And I also like Dr. Hibbert's um, stripper, alter ego Malcolm Sex, who pleases the ladies by any means necessary. <laughs> I, for some reason, and I've I watched this episode twice and I laughed my ass off both times, was, oh no, this is Maggie's tape. That means Maggie's got sex, bum, <laughs> sex, bum, and the fucking dance, man. Mm. I, I remember that being in the ad when that first came on TV, this episode. Gets me every time. It's so, so ridiculous. But it, that, that seriously could fit into any era of The Simpsons and it'd, it'd be fine. True. It's hilarious. And any time you can throw Tom Jones in there, by all means do so. Mr. Exactly. Mr. Jones makes everything better. He certainly does. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, trivia for CE Doe. My first question is, mm-hmm. in the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon, what type of animal was Scratchy talking to? Before he takes takes off to try and catch Itchy for driving. Oh, what breed? What type of animal? I think I got everything, every other bit of information you could get out of Bleeder of the Pack. Yep. Except that was it a she, was it a dog? She was a rabbit. Oh, she was a, a rabbit. Okay. Yeah, it shouldn't have been a dog. That would have been weird. <laughs> As opposed to a cat talking about a rabbit, which is not weird. What's your first question? My first question to you, and it was uh, relating to what I said earlier. Who is? What is the name? Of the man behind Successmanship 101 and Megatronics. You see his, Damn, I should have you see his name on the book. Down. I should have written it down. I didn't look. Now, what was it? His name is Stark Richdale. Stark Richdale. Yep, very strong name. Stark Richdale. It's not Max Power, but then what is? It sounds like the kind of guy that tries and sell you one of those timeshares in Surface Paradise. You know, <laughs> when you go to Surface Paradise and they've always, you always get asked by somebody, do you want to come to this meeting in the morning yeah, but for like three hours and have to try and convince you to, to buy a timeshare? We always do it because we always get a $100 Coles voucher. I was about to say, what did you get? You got a $100 Coles voucher out of Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next question is, who published the book? <gasps> I don't know. They're now known as FedEx. Mm. Kinko's. Oh, Kinko's? Oh, that's right, yeah. 
Are they known as FedEx now? Or do they get purchased by FedEx? I'm pretty sure Kinko's is now FedEx. We're talking about Kinko's, yeah. the American version of Officeworks. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Uh, it's now They used to have them in, in Australia, didn't they? I'm pretty sure. Do they really? I don't remember them, I'm no. pretty sure I went to a Kinko's in Melbourne. Although that really? that may have been a strip club. <laughs> What's your next question? Who did not wake Snake in time for the book wagon? Oh, that would be Terence. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little gag there. My final question is, who gave Homer the advice when he was trying to get Marge all uh, ready for romancing? He says, thanks for the advice. Oh, um, Bill thanks for the tip. Thanks for the tip or whatever. No, it was uh, 60 Minutes too. Oh, 60 Minutes. Oh. Ca- after, yeah. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I was thinking about when he was outside and yeah, yeah, yeah. walked past the three bill. I did write down 60 Minutes too. I've got it actually written here. 60 Minutes too. What is 60 Minutes too? Basically a spin off of the beloved... TV current affairs show sixty minutes. I think, but in what way though? What's the spin-off? It was just more stories. I think it was just oh, okay. an extra hour of sixty minutes. They might have just called it. You know, why don't they call the show one hundred and twenty minutes? And your final question? I've got a few here, so let me just oh, hit me. What do you got? Where in the world did mm-hmm. Mr. Burns retire to? Ah, uh, Marrakesh. Marrakesh. Can I hit with one more question? Or go for it? Yeah, why not? Okay. Who was the owner of Standard Oil? Oh, that is a half-eaten sandwich. Originally, half, it was half-eaten lunch. Half-eaten breakfast. Breakfast. Damn it. Damn it. It's half-eaten something. <laughs> you can have a breakfast sandwich, so I'm going to allow you that point. And I, Ooh, I, thank you so much, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any more questions for me? Oh, no. Look, it's just getting mean at this point. I'm just throwing questions at you left and right. Maybe we should oh. move on to our review of the show. Let's- do that. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're back with our review of CE. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of CE Doe was March 16th, 2003, which is why uh, they used the Kinko's gag here because it didn't become, I uh, changed the name to FedEx till 2004. Ah, okay. Just stuck it in. Uh, it was directed by Mike B. Anderson and written by Dana Gould. The catch gag was one that we haven't seen before. There's no short gags. The catch gag was one with the real life hand, which was apparently a, a hand model that was hired specifically for this scene. Oh, okay. uh, flipping through the animation to show how basically cartoons were made back in the day. The episode kicks off with the kids watching Bleeder of the Pack, Itchy and Scratchy cartoon. A pretty oh. good cartoon. Oh, I, I will never be unhappy when we get Itchy and Scratchy cartoons. No, they, they're very inventive, aren't they? <laughs> they just make it feel, I guess they make it feel old school Simpsons because they're that sort of that one constant that's still... Well, there's one constant besides the characters themselves. It's Itchy and Scratchy cartoons and Trios of Horror specials. They're the, they're the thing that every season you know you're going to get it. And Sideshow Bob, although he doesn't appear anywhere near as much as he used to, mm. they're just those those little recurring things that make you go, oh yeah, that's right. It makes you feel homely as a Simpsons fan. I'm always impressed by the effort and uh, ingenuity they put into Itchy and yeah. Scratchies. And I like Bleeder of the Pack a lot. I mean, even just for the fact that it name checks Buddy Holly, Richie Villain, Richie Valens, pardon me, and uh, the Big Bopper. Sure does. On, on their fateful plane trip to oblivion. Who are apparently vampires. Yeah, what were they meant to be? Monsters, werewolves? Were they meant to be vampires? I don't know. I vampires of some some description. <laughs> also, apparently, a takeoff from a scene from American Graffiti. 
Uh, could well film? be. I, I've never seen the film, but apparently that what what happens here was a scene from American Graffiti with saying, hey, copper, whatever, and then driving past and the cops chasing after them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's been a while since I've seen American Graffiti, directed by George Lucas, but uh, yeah, I do recall that it has a, has a scene like that in it. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was just general 50s, 50s juvenile yeah. delinquents and all that kind of business, but yeah. there we go. Homer then brings the kids some snacks and says it's Valentine's Day, which means it's time to stay downstairs as the TV turned way up. <laughs> uh, and they ask why. You know, he's going to be upstairs making lovely, what was it, lovely rope? Rope ladders in case ladders, of a fire? Yes. That's right, yes. Kids, so naive. <laughs> what are we naive? What? What are we naive about? <laughs> Homer is now getting Marge or lick it up in Bath. <laughs> this is how I picture the dandy, Dando household. Not just on February 14, but pretty much once a week. <laughs> just once a night. <laughs> wow. the, thing is, the thing is with Nicola, right, she doesn't drink at the moment. Because she basically, because Holly's still not sleeping, it's just that fear of, I know I'm going to be up all night. So mm-hmm. there's no point in me getting drunk because I'm not going to be able to help Holly. So I'll, we went out for dinner a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, here, have a few drinks. She's like, no, no. I'm like, oh, exactly like, come here. Drink, my pretty drink. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, when you've got a kid with reflux, it's a bit hard to um. You just feel uh, not 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 scared, just hesitant to let yourself go because you know you're gonna be up all night trying to help the baby. But he's putting petals on the bed, he's got the musk spraying in the air, trying to get set the mood for Marge. But she's unfortunately just way too tired, isn't she? She usually brings her A game, and just not gonna happen tonight, unfortunately. Tonight, I just can't throw the heat. Hey there, little Red Riding Hood. I ate your granny, and now I'm in the mood for love. Oh, homie, I'm sorry. You know I usually bring my A-game to the bedroom, but tonight I just can't throw the heat. But it's St. Valentine's Day. God wants us to do it. You're so cute when you're begging for sex, but I'm just too tired. Well, my special mixtape will get you going. Oh no, that's Maggie's mixtape. And Maggie must have gotten. Sex bomb, sex bomb. You're my sex bomb. And baby, you can turn me on. <laughs> like I said, every time gets me. It's You know exactly where it's going. But it's, I think it's just the song Sex Bomb as well. It's just such a perfect song for that moment. It really is. It's, <laughs> so fun. It, sex it's bomb. <laughs> It's fun and a tiny bit racy, but not really dirty in any way. Yeah, and just who Maggie could be, the, with the can, eyes. Yeah, you can imagine <laughs> kids from eighty to grandmas at eighty just getting down to sex bomb. It's not. Yeah. Even if you like were at the club at the at like the strip club, and it's like, I don't think I can take you seriously up there, Missy. If you're dancing to sex bomb, <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly pony. You can imagine, you know. Eureka in Geelong. I was having a nightclub anymore. Just say, it's 1998. Mm-hmm. Eureka's still a thing. And Sex Bomb comes over. Even though it's 20 years old, people are still getting down to that song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Homer can't sleep, though. He feels bad because Marge... He, th- he feels like Marge didn't want him because he's not sexy. So he goes for a walk and, you know, Valentine's Day is supposed <laughs> to be a gimme. <laughs> 
<laughs> love that phrase. <laughs> we then get the montage of everyone else getting some. We've got the cats, Professor Frank. I always, always love when we get some Frank lingo. <laughs> With his sex bot. Uh, yep. um, I like the plane gag, I've got to say. Yeah. The refueling. I thought that was pretty funny. The clouds and the, the and we get the book would be on with Snake and Terrence. And <laughs> how great was this? So the billboards. The first one says suicide. The second one says lose some weight, chub med. <laughs> suicide, eh? <laughs> <laughs> love the number one. One five five five, no kill you. Yes. <laughs> He then settles for the billboard that says extension school. You thanks outdoor billboards, you've saved my marriage, and it's not the first time. <laughs> he then walks and he's choosing which class to go to. I'm not sure why he assumed that by going to extension school it would make him it would save his marriage because it didn't say the strip for your wife class until he got there. No, no, but I I'm guessing he's thinking eh, these these are the kind of places that teach you things you don't learn in regular school. You didn't learn how to strip at high school? Um, well, not officially. You had the, you had the wrong English teacher. <laughs> this was more a science teacher. <laughs> I've got a story for you for my graduation. Boy, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> By the way, I did, I did like it the, um, on the door at the extension school. 7.30pm orientation, 9.30pm graduation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he walks into the strip for your wife class, which, as you mentioned earlier, was run by one and only Dr. Hibbert. And uh, did you notice here? So the the crowd in this room, the classmates weren't uh, weren't just randoms. They were all particular people. So yeah. we had like uh, uh, Auntie Pie in the Sky. We had Louis Cletus. Can we Cletus? Dad. Cletus getting a lot yep. of lines. Cletus's agent really must is. have stood up. Every time I see, <laughs> every time I see Cletus now, I just think of you right now. Just <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy from Happy Gilmore just shakes his head. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a famous golfer, I believe. Is that right? The guy from Happy Gilmore? That's a good point. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, sure he is, isn't I'm he? like Marge. I'm not exactly bringing the heat today. I'm not I'm not sure of uh, who's who and what's what. It's been a little while since I watched Happy. Let's let's do this. Let's look it up just now for the uh, for the Happy Gilmore fans out there. I'll Google Man Shakes Head Golfer Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Leo way, Lee, Tre- Lee Trevino. Oh, Lee Trevino, that guy is famous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just reminded of. Um, I think there were previews for Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie in the states over the weekend, and all the nerds on Twitter were sort of like saying, "Yeah, we like Paul Thomas Anderson, and he likes Adam Sandler." And here's a clip when they made Punch Drunk Love together, and there was like the a press conference or something, which is apparently a great movie. It's really good, and Sandler's really good in it. I think it's one of the movies where people went, "Oh, this guy's actually, you know." Got a little something beyond. And some highbrow dude in the audience is saying, but why did you, the director of Boogie Nights and, and Magnolia, want to work with Adam Sandler? Why? I'm sorry, I'm putting on a poncy voice for this guy. He wasn't that bad. But yeah. it was implicit it's in a, his it's question. A big, it's a like, big question to ask, though. Yeah, it's like, why, why did you want to work with Adam Sandler? Was Sandler there? Sandler was right next to him. I mean, what a yeah, horrible, he was What a horrible person. Yeah. I don't think he was saying it to be a dick, but he was just kind of like, what did you see in this guy that made you want to work with him? And you get the feeling he's expecting like a really highbrow response. Like, it's like, oh, well, in the tradition of the great clowns, I thought that there was something sad underneath. And <laughs> PTA just goes, I just think he's funny. Everything about him is funny. Yeah, you know, his face is funny. I haven't seen him naked. But that's probably funny as well. At which point, <laughs> Sandler just going, "It's pretty funny." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, sorry, 
usual sort of Adam Sandler diversion that you get on four finger discount. But uh, how did we even get there? I can't even remember. Oh, Happy Gilmore shaking the head. Oh yes, that, of that's me and Cletus. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. So you're now you get every time. Every time, uh, just call me I Lee Trevino. You're, you're, you're just Trevino. <laughs> it's a Trevino. <laughs> Guys, Trevino moment. But but Homer gets kicked out of the class because he uses all the baby oil, baby oil. Nobody loves oily Homer. Uh, what's it, what was it called? Oil of oh yeah or something? Something like oil that. Of- yeah, but it's for the entire class. He used all on his own body. I just love that he's, he's stripped naked as well. He's just he's just down to his undies in the class. But he slides into the Successmanship One Hundred and One class. You greasy naked bald man, you know everything about me. <laughs> what would you say if I offered you the secret of true success? Wipe me down and sign me up. The trick is to blot the oil. Wiping just pushes it around. You're preaching to the choir, man. Now life is hard. Am I right? Wrong! Life is easy! You suck! You have to take life, you have to grab it by its little bunny ears and get in its face! God, look at you losers. I can read your minds. Oh, oh, I'm afraid of success. It's pizza's fault. I'm fat. Oh, I'll stop sucking. Later. Come here, give me your hand. It's okay. Well, thank you, teacher! Life is easy. You, you suck. suck. As you said, it's it's great renovation. Like I, I watched I listened to this and I watched it and went. He's right. I'm blaming my, I'm blaming everyone else but myself. <laughs> he's he's really good. I'm pretty sure that this character is based on. Um, there's this movie, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Uh, I know the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've probably either talked about it or Mitch has talked about it in the past. Or you've seen it yourself. But um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm really tripling down on the patronising. <laughs> but he's very Alec Baldwin in that. Yeah, yeah. For listeners out there who haven't seen it, yeah, it's a story about these the very cutthroat world of real estate sales. Mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin plays this guy who's brought in by a head office, who's basically just an absolute monster. <laughs> who's that's where the that's where the Simpsons episode Realty Bites was based. on. Ah, there you go. Well, of yes. course you know what I'm talking about. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. I'll shut up now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but this guy's very Alec Baldwin in Glengarry Glen Ross, and it's great. <laughs> yes. It's it's one it was one of his first sort of like breakout roles, right? One of the, yeah, yeah, certainly. And people are still sort of talking about it to this day. But um, yeah. it's a bit like Scarface or Wolf of Wall Street. This guy's not meant to be aspirational or motivational, but he kind of is. Yeah, young twenty, like early twenty year olds, look at him as like an inspiration. Yeah, said, yeah. this guy. And they get old, and they get older and go, oh, oh, wait what, a minute, what was yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be one of the guys he's yelling at. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a guy at our work. He's like just turned 22, and he has a poster of the dude from Wolf of Wall Street on his bedroom wall. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you need do right by that young person. Steer him in the right direction. Say no. That's not how you do that. That's not how you live life. How great was it? Um, so he actually said he throws Marvin at the window. He, he says that. Yeah, he says the see that car. That was a Bentley 12 or whatever. They gave me one. Guess you one. They killed the guy who made it. Oh, and did you hear Lenny? Oh, I'd hate to be in that, <laughs> that union. That was like, boy, I'd hate to be in that union. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- oh, really I, th- I think Dana Gould's actually a pretty good writer. Dana- well, his first episode, I wasn't a huge fan of, but this one, he won me back. I was like, okay, so this one's fun. Because the first time I think he wrote an episode, I'm pretty sure, what episode was I'm pretty sure it was if, a case If of, you tell me it was epi- bloody Simpson Safari, I'm just going to be like, Ah. No, I'm pretty sure it was an episode where we felt like he was trying to like bring out all the old hits all the time. Oh, okay. 
Dana Gould Simpsons. Hang on one second. Let's look at what episodes he's written. Because this is, I believe, is his second one that he wrote. Uh, the first one, Home of the Mo. Okay. Which which I really enjoyed. Okay. He, so the, one, the ones that he's written so far. So Home of the Mo he wrote. I actually enjoyed Home of the Mo. Mm-hmm. And he wrote Pup's Got a Brand New Badge, another episode that I enjoyed. And... CE Doe so far. So I take it back. I do enjoy Danny Gould as a writer. <laughs> okay. Everyone's coming around a guy's way of thinking. Friends, there's a force that runs through the universe. We used to call that force God. We now call it Megatronics, the 48 tips to corporate success. Yo. Mm. Air. Woo, published by Kinko's. Do you want to be the ultimate you? Yes. Do you want to yodel at the top of the corporate mountain? Yes. Will you write me a check made out to cash? Good. Yes. Tip number one, live each day like it's your last. No. Cuts home no. crying. <laughs> I've actually never seen that joke made before. That thought it quite good. Tip two, let nothing stand in your way. You do more homework. You do less homework. You learn to talk. You let's love now. <laughs> I just love when he kicks down the door. So, Listen up, life obstacles. Yes. <laughs> and I think that could be the sort of like the downside of when you sort of get a bit motivated and you can get take very, it too far. You can get a bit of tunnel vision. And you realize mm-hmm. all these lovely people and things around me that are meant to complement my life. Wait a minute. No, they're just clutter. It's got to be me doing it. <laughs> so you don't think things through. Properly. You don't. <laughs> Which is why I blew off dinner with Lou to go to the gym. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> hey, you, life obstacle. <laughs> so is she now referred to as the lovely life obstacle? She is life enhancement and then some. <laughs> we come back from commercial. Homer wakes up Marge because he's uh, installing a key holder. Uh, and she's, you know, she's thankful because she no longer used to, needs to use a bowl like a caveman because Homer's finally harnessed the power of the hook. <laughs> it's funny how just little tasks like that can just make you feel more like a oh, an accomplished 100%. human being. Attaching something to a wall will never cease to make me feel like the greatest man alive. That's the other... Well, I did my whole Will Smith spiel while I was actually listening to that or having it on in YouTube in the background. I've got this lampshade, porcelain lampshade in my kitchen that is just, you know, covered with kitchen grease and grime and all that shit. Sounding very much like an ad for spray and wipe here. But I'm like, human beings shouldn't live like this. Time to clean it. So, you know, got the, um, got the little step ladder out. Got up was, that, was that you or was that Louise that said that? Oh, <laughs> Louise said, I'm not coming back to your house to clean that fucking lampshade. It's disgusting. What are you? No, no, she... You should be ashamed. <laughs> I could hear a voice in my head. No, no, she didn't care about that. Um, but I was looking and going, human beings should not live like this, and especially not this one, pointing at myself. So I yeah, did a bit of dismantling, took it all down, and then had to sort of, eh, wait a minute, this was made in the 50s. <laughs> you know, It's very awkward trying to put it back up. It's not you know, some efficient Ikea thing made by the Swedish. She still have the lampshade from the 50s. That's awesome. It's, it's a pretty rad Art Deco kind of looking thing. But... Trying to reinstall it was like, you've got to put these screws in just the right way. And again, it's a bit like how we were saying at the front at the start of this episode, putting three things together. Back away, back away, back away. <laughs> That's like me when I was trying to build my Millennium Falcon Lego. It was like, so I bought the non-official version of the Lego. So it's from China, right? So the, instru- <laughs> so, so the instructions didn't have, they weren't made clear. It was just sort of like really poorly. You'd think they're going to go through the trouble of making the Lego, right? Hmm. They were just copy and photocopy the original instructions from Lego. Yeah. 
Well, they didn't seem to do that. Although they, they did, but the things were in numbered bags. It was just, put this piece in this piece. And I'm like, but this piece is mixed with all these pieces. <laughs> so I had to like, it was pretty much just me ended up, I was, what I was doing was just like finding things that fit <laughs> and then just going, all right, mm. hasn't fallen apart yet. All right, hasn't fallen apart yet. But it took me like, weeks to finally put it all together because I did it bit by bit. And did I tell you how Nicholas smashed it all? Oh my God, no. So it was on top of my fridge in the garage and I took the spare doors, I took the doors off the wardrobe in this in this uh, studio here, mm-hmm. right? So I could uh, properly um, soundproof it. And I had them resting against the wall in the garage. When Nicola bumped that door, it fell, hit the fridge, hit my Millennium Falcon Lego, 5,000 piece Lego, no. exploded into a million pieces. <laughs> <laughs> if I could do it properly, I'd do like a chewy. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> That was something I repressed. <laughs> you, How did we you get brought to it up to the, uh, This is good. This is like a therapy session. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, because Homer, Homer is installing Homer's a hook. And you fixed the lampshade. I've got a fucked up Lego. It's all happening. <laughs> anyway, he's now, he's now at work and he's making his cubicle his ubicle. Good advice. Again, yes. th- there might be something to Megatronics. A hundred percent. And I, I remember my sister actually told me this and you, you sort of agree with it. I'm pretty sure I brought it up once before where it's like your area in which you work the cleanliness of it is a good indication of the order of it is a good good indication of your mental state oh so if you live if you live in a, in a messy yeah. house then you probably your, your mind's probably all over the shop I'm currently looking at my desk it's a disgrace <laughs> this room's pretty messy at the moment it's because I'm trying to hide all Elliot's Christmas presents we did Christmas shopping much earlier this year just to get it done and out of the way good for you I got I, I got my birthday present from the lovely Louise this weekend. It finally, it finally oh. arrived. Oh, okay. What was it? It was a very nice print by this pop art guy named Shag. Um, mm. I've got a few of his artworks around the place, but... Is his partner called Scoob? <laughs> you would think so, or I hope so. <laughs> uh, but this was from the Twilight Zone episode Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, the one with William Shatner and the one that was um, oh, remade from the favorites. movie. yeah. Yeah, that's where the there's a thing on the plane window and this only one guy can see it. There's a gremlin on the side of the bus. Yeah. <laughs> that's also a model. Simpsons did it. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, so, that finally arrived and is now taken pride of place on all. Thank you, oh. the lovely Louise. Good presenting. And Australia Post. <laughs> yes, for finally, for finally getting it here. Um, but... Uh, so Homer's now at work, and as we said, he's, he's making his cubicle, his ubicle, takes down the Swedish bikini, or leaves it up, the Swedish bikini, uh, bikini team post, and replaces it with the Swedish efficiency team. All are doing very sexy poses, yeah, despite yeah. being these bald Swedish gentlemen in lab coats. He um, he says, he reads the advice where you've got to separate yourself from the herd by tattling, or tattle on the cattle, which means blab on your workmates. And there's always, Be a snitch. There's always <laughs> one guy at work that will be a snitch. You don't know what you can say in front of him. Did you just turn your light off, by the way? It looks like you're about to tell me a ghost story. Really? Hmm. Maybe the she's light getting... just the light just changed in your room. Did, Did you it? turn the light off? I don't think so. No, I mean maybe just, there's only a little bit of light coming in from the window, and maybe it's just getting either that or it's it's we're getting... about to re- we're about to live through Independence Day, where the fucking ship's going over the top. It's getting real dark. <laughs> like... It's getting dark. <laughs> yeah, um, all the workers are all these workers are asleep. We've got Carl and Lenny having their rod fight, which is like a lightsaber fight. Over which By the way, what is what does suck more, Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones? I was about to answer this. I agree with Carl. I have no desire to ever watch Attack of the Clones ever again in my life. Yeah, I uh, think that might be the worst one. 
I think Phantom Menace will always have the nostalgia aspect for me because it was the first Star Wars film in my lifetime. I remember the excitement leading to it. Everyone was excited for Phantom Menace. Nobody was excited for Attack of the Clones. (laughs) I remember being slightly excited for Attack of the Clones and then I think about 20 minutes in, it was just like, no, no. Yeah. So, so, George, you didn't listen. (laughs) I remember the review I wrote for it. I think the first line was, the dream is over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It it really was. It really was by that point. All right, so we're both Team Carl. (laughs) We are both Team Carl for sure. Actually, I did like that moment, though, because it's funny how it's impossible for two grown men, boys, grown men, whatever, two males, to see... (laughs) Two sticks on the floor and not want to pick them up and have a lightsaber battle. Oh, <laughs> it could be anything as long as it's some sort of like rod stick. You're having a lightsaber battle. Oh yeah. <laughs> he also sees the guy spilling the toxic waste. We get the people going to the coffee room, the cream room, and the stirrer room, just wasting time and wasting, uh, yeah, just wasting time. I guess you could say. And then Homer goes to take all of this uh, information to Mister Burns to finally get the promotion he's deserved since this morning. But he gets no love from Burns at all, does he? Mr. Burns does not want to hear it, not interested at all. Refers to him as the ape who wanted a big bonus. Yeah, and sends him down to those electric eels. He's just... Um, <laughs> I find Mr... I would see Mr. Burns as the kind of person, and I'm sure many bosses are like this, they don't want to be told how to improve their place because it's like, I run the show, yeah. not you. It's, uh, you're essentially you saying that I, I suck. Yeah, they'll tell you it's a bad idea and then claim it as their own idea a week later. Happens a lot, trust me. Oh, does it now? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you'd know this. (laughs) Homer is now annoyed at the dinner table about Mr. Burns not showing any love to his employees. This is the moment here. I was like, what is happening? Marge of the don't worry. What's the big whoop? (laughs) Gabba, gabba, hey. Blah, blah, blah. So my husband goes to to a bar overnight. What's the big whoop about it? Who cares? And I'm like, what the hell is that about? (laughs) It was just... It was a little grim. I it was just bizarre, man. I don't mind a line like that every once in a while, but I think it's got to be in the right episode or the right context. As you said, Grim, it's like she's just sort of reserved now to yeah, the just, fact that, oh, my husband doesn't want to spend any time with his family, just goes to the bar every night. That's okay. Why yeah. should we care? Gabba, gabba, hey. It's, like, it's just, it fucking just felt really weird. It did sort of land with a bit of a clang, didn't it? Yeah. I think Bart and Lisa's response, just the, the facial expression sort of summed up mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> when this next part here too. So we're at Moe's. Suddenly, Moe doesn't know who Mr. Burns is. Yeah. I'm like, did we not remember who shot Mr. Burns part one where he's the reason why Moe's got closed down? We were seeing the praise of Dana Gould a little earlier, <laughs> and justifiably so to some degree. But at the same time, I don't know if we said this about previous episodes that he wrote or maybe... It's just episodes of recent times where quote unquote canon just gets thrown out for the you know sake of a one joke, sake of one joke, or just to keep things moving along, not even a gag. Um, yeah, it's not great in this regard. <laughs> like, like everyone, everyone in Springfield knows who Mr. Burns is. Yeah, for them to even say for for Homer to even say, just been talking about it for goodness knows how long. Yeah, it's just it, I don't know just. I'm happy to throw cannon at the window for the sake of certain gags, but that to me just seemed like a bit of a stretch. I was like, ah, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to say something like that, you know, play it up a bit more and make it like, you know, why doesn't Mo remember it? You know, does he have like a a brain-related reason or an alcohol-related reason or I don't listen to you, rummies, or something along those lines. I don't know. 
Revenge? And Mr. Burns? Yeah. Send him magazine subscriptions he don't want. Or give him some FaceTime with sweet Lady Brick. Ha <laughs> ha. Now, I think this calls for something a little more cerebral. <laughs> Wait till he steps on this flaming bag of <gasps> Lisa's College Fund! <laughs> I did like that. It's like, first of all, yes, it's not um it's not below Homer to go there with what you think would be a flaming bag of dog poo. But yeah, it's a little switch, it's like <laughs> this flaming bag of Maggie's college fund. Oh, Lisa's, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Lisa's college fund. <laughs> Whenever you see a flaming bag, what do you instantly think of? Oh, dog shit. Yeah, no, but I think of he called the shit poop <laughs> from Billy Madison. Oh. It's poop. It's poop again. <laughs> What's his name? Old man something. Oh, he he hates shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, Norm Macdonald, we miss you. I showed I showed Nicola that um. I said your dirty dog from from Conan, the Norm Macdonald <laughs> clip. Have you watched that in recently? It is no. so great. Type Norm Macdonald Conan and watch watch it where he's talking about his wife. It's it's fucking amazing. But basically, break. He's meant to be there promoting his memoirs. And he breaks out into like a Rodney Dangerfield routine about his wife. It's the greatest <laughs> fucking thing ever. So great. Uh, he so he's there with the, with the college fund which is burning, but he puts it out. Then overhears Mr. Burns and Smithers talking about the fact that the government have discovered that he's dumped toxic waste under Legoland to get the Legoland clip. And uh, Mr. Burns reveals that he's not actually in charge of the planet. It's actually Canary M. Burns. You get a nice look at the uh, chain of command at the uh, power plant as well. I like that chart. <laughs> Carbon rod shout out. <laughs> yep, yeah, definitely. And then Homer's underneath it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Burns basically explains the ploy here, how if something ever happens, he's not going to get in trouble and go to prison, it'll be the Canary. Then we get Homer's little thought bubble of um, what was the guy's name again? The the Rich Richdale Stark name? Richdale Stark Richdale, and he says, you know, you got to get rid of the bird. And Homer's like, I can't kill a bird. Their eyes are so expressive. <laughs> so he, uh, Homer's now in bed with Marge, and he can't sleep again because he's just he's in two minds. Do I take advantage of this opportunity and become a success or not? Actually, I'm going to ask this question right now. Yes, the ending to this actually doesn't really make any sense. Because why, if he's now the boss of the power plant, mm. would he then just give it back to Burns? Why would he not sell it? Because Homer's not that bright. <laughs> why would Marge not let... We have to get to the 305th, <laughs> everything's back to normal barbecue, one way or another. And <laughs> making Homer a millionaire, eh, that's going to throw a little uh, monkey in the wrench. I don't know if it's a positive or a negative, but I feel like that's why I couldn't write a Simpsons episode like this because I would be constantly going yeah but that's annoying you can't you've got to it's got to make sense you'd be like Charlie Day with that uh, you've seen that picture where he's got the wall of conspiracy up it's like everything's connected yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, I can't do this but though it's a really good game because of such and such that happened in episode you know 209 or whatever but it's like he had a million dollar industry and <laughs> he's just giving it back <laughs> stupid anyway he, he just wants to focus on being a good dad or being world's greatest dad. And maybe yes, you know, that, a whole lot of money would make that difficult. Although it probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, Marge says, you know, you've got to stop and just listen to that little voice in your inside your head and hear what it tells you. And we get Bart and Lisa. They can apparently hear uh, through the walls because they're paper thin. Oh, that punched through the wall. Then we get the Flanders moment. It's just this was the other really weird moment for me, where he's like, "It wouldn't hurt you to put up some curtains," and he's just sitting there watching them in like a rocking chair. I'm like, "What the hell? That's, is that that's going for a rear window?" 
I think so, or just Ned being a bit of a sexually frustrated perv or something. So Homer and Bart are now at Mr. Burns's or in his office, and I I love the burglar get-up that they wear with the little black black cats (laughs) and the black all black. It's really good. But they're going to let the canary go go free. I actually like this. They didn't kill the canary. They merely let him go free. It was nice. Yeah, I mean, I like that they've got their burglar outfits on, so you know they're clearly breaking the law, breaking the law, but no, not ruthless. We'll let a perfectly harmless canary... Get out of the scene. Bye, free. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a great little visual gag, though, of go to the Canary Islands, has to look on the on the globe where it is, flies off. I like that. <laughs> then we get uh, Mr. Burns, and he's calling, says, it's an emergency. It's maroon alert, or possibly vermilion. <laughs> I need to find a patsy, quick. Hello. Yes, yes, hello. Now I need to find a patsy. Hello. You, you're quite the friendly fellow, but right now I'm looking for a patsy. Hello? You bumbling fool, I keep telling you I'm looking for a patsy. Hello? Do this moon-faced simpleton is continually interrupting my search for a patsy. Why do... Hello? Why are you looking at me like that? I remember a few episodes ago, maybe even a season ago, Homer says, Hello? And I was like, I, I, remember, cause I remember this moment. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be that moment, because I remember Homer... Constantly saying, hello, hello. <laughs> Obviously a take on uh, Ziggy, is that his name? Iggy, uh, what's his name from Laverne and Shirley? Hello. Oh, Squiggy. Squiggy, Squiggy. I always say Ziggy. Squiggy, that's the guy. Hello. From, hello from Halter, uh, Scal- Halter Shelter. Shelter. Halter Shelter, the episode earlier this season, I believe that was actually. And, that is correct. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I really like that. Yes, yes, yes. Hello, hello. Now, you're really <laughs> bothering me. I'm trying to find a patsy. Hello. <laughs> they played they played this just right. This could have gone any, no, not any number of ways, but mm, you could have played this wrong, but they did just the right number of hellos yeah. um, before, yes, the uh, the tables are turned or the, the switch is flipped or the script is flipped or whatever along those lines. A great way to end the game, though. Why are you looking at me? Looking like that? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Burns then announces that Homer is the new boss of the power plant. But Mr. Um, unfortunately, doesn't realise, though, Homer, in his first act, he's going to fire Mr. Burns. Check and mate. Now, and King mate. Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, poor Mr. Burns. Uh, but I, what was good about this was that he took it in his stride. He's like, the caterpillar has emerged from the cocoon as a shark with a gun for a mouth. <laughs> One would like to think that, say, billionaire tyrant uh, Rupert Murdoch would yeah. appreciate a move like this. Yeah. So, well, you know, all's fair in love and business. If you can outplay me, then, yeah, to the victor goes the spoils. Yeah, well, bold, sir. Uh, Mr. Ben just accepts it, and then Homer throws him off the balcony. I don't know what to make of this. Eat crowd, old man. I, 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 whatever. There wasn't much to it. I read it in a review that they thought it was a bit of an homage to... Remember the third episode, Homer's Odyssey, where Homer jumps off the balcony, or falls off the balcony, and the crowd yes, catches him? Yes, that's right. Kind of in a marsh of that, but you're pulling at straws there, I reckon. It's just uh, that that is a very long bow to draw. We come back from commercial and Homer announces that his reign of terrific management is here. Oh, Lenny, I thought he was gonna say terror. <laughs> what did Carl say? Oh no, 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 I didn't. <laughs> We're all equals here. Despite the fact I'm about to walk up my crystal staircase, what does he say? Keep your oars quiet or something. I don't know. But basically, he's just trying to say, <laughs> we are equals. Just ignore the fact that I'm going up to my new office in my up my crystal staircase. <laughs> just ignore the fact that I am more equal than the, the, all of you put together. Yes, exactly. He then discovers the button that closes the door. This was pure Homer. <laughs> put a walnut in there. <laughs> Lisa, <They're> two. <laughs> Dad, you're the head of a major corporation. You're right. Two walnuts. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mr. Burns and Smithers are now where, Mr. Davis? Marrakesh. Mm. Which is where? Elsewhere. <laughs> Your face there was just like, oh, man. <laughs> All right. Breaks out the globe. I recently installed Google Earth on my phone. The first thing I did was look at my house. It's like, oh, how old is this? My lawn looks better than that. This may sound morbid, but I'm going to say it anyway because I don't care. So, you know how we lost my nan last year, Marlene, May of 2020? Not long after she passed away, because she lived in the commission area, they just completely demolished her house. Gone. Cut all the trees down. Within like a fortnight of her passing away, there was nothing left on her block of land. The house that I basically spent the majority of my childhood in, just gone. Just like that. And I've actually never gone and paid a visit to it, because my sister did it, and she said it literally broke her heart. She's like, I recommend don't go there. So I never bothered going to look at it, because... I just don't want to see it. Anyway, that might, that might sound silly, but anyway. But what I did on Google Earth recently was I went there and I looked up pictures of her address and her house was there. I was like, because we never took a picture of her house. And I was like, oh, thank you, Google Earth, because now at least we'll have a picture of Nan's house to look back on. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know how there are certain tribes around the world it's like, don't take my photograph, you're stealing my spirit. That's sort of what that is. I mean, a photograph is like a ghost. Yeah, Nan's house doesn't exist anymore. I'm very thankful for Google Earth, the fact that they took that photo without her notice, without her even realising, because now I've got a photo of Nan's house. And it might sound stupid, probably listeners out there laughing, but I just like the fact that I now own a picture of Nan's house because I forgot to take one. <laughs> I think it's very sweet, Dando. God bless you, Google overlords, for looking out for us. <laughs> By the way, the this, has all been, this has all been a very clever diversion for me to find out that Marrakesh is in Morocco, Morocco is in Africa. There we go. <laughs> Africa is on planet Earth. And apparently there, everything is made of drugs, according to the guy. Drugs! Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's so enthusiastic about his drugs. He is, yes. Only American money. And money made of drugs. <laughs> 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 Mr. Burns, uh, they plant the seed here. He wants some opium, which is what Smithers was trying to purchase. Because that comes back a little bit later on. To make this plant economically viable, you've got to lay off 112 people. If you don't patch the leak in Cooling Tower 2, you will go to jail. Oh, I need a vacation. This is your vacation. Can I water ski a little bit? Fine. Homer, I'll go over the year-end profit forecast if you'll stop looking at my boobs. No deal. Have you ever seen one of those water skiing triangles live and in person? Yeah, at SeaWorld in Queensland. Oh, wow. Was it, was it super impressive or were you like, nah, bring back Shamu? It was well. They don't have killer whales at the Sea World in Queensland. You've never been there, have you? I have not. Oh yeah, they don't have whales. They just have polar bears, sharks, more Australian-based dolphins are the big thing. Dolphins are the draw card there. It sounds like they've got the most lethal animals. <laughs> I mean, polar bears are the most dangerous animal on on the planet, apparently. But I mean, killer whales are pretty dangerous too. Like they're scary motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> There's a video. It's floating around on Facebook and social media. Of have you seen it with the the otter? is being chased by an orca and jumps onto a guy's boat. Have you seen that? Oh, yes, I think I have, actually. And the, the, the otter's just like, look, mate, I know we might not be friends, but I'm fucking chilling here for a little bit, all right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I, have, I did say that. I remember being pretty impressed, but it's one of those things where I'm kind of like this with fireworks as well. And even, like, at an air show or whatever, it's like, once you've seen one or two tricks, it's like, yeah, it kind of blends yeah, into the same. Like, fireworks, after, like, a minute or so, I'm like, yeah, it's just explosions. Like, it's... It's just fireworks. <laughs> I'm, I, I hate to admit it, but yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. It's like, mm, okay, good for maybe 10, 15 seconds. And then after that, it's like, okay, 
Happy New Year. I'm going back inside. <laughs> it's like you get the occasional one where it goes up really, really long. It takes ages to go up and you're like, oh my God, it's going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah, you're like those little kids in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf's, you know, set off his fireworks. You're like, <gasps> yeah. Ah! yeah. Hey, the big mama, 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 the big one. Did you see it? Did you say, yes, Brendan, I saw it. It's a very big one. <laughs> anyway. No deal. No deal. Homer is now eating dinner via computer with the family because he's now... We've entered the, the the part of the story where he's being overworked. He's running a multi-million dollar business, which, so it makes sense. But he now no longer has time to spend with his friends and family because he's too busy working. Yes. You can tell that this is corporate Homer because he's got a long-sleeved shirt on with the sleeves rolled up. You can It's a it's a tiny little detail, but it does make all the difference. I'll, it's One of the great things about this show is the characters, because they're always wearing the same thing, a slight change can completely change the whole dynamic of the character. It's great, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And that's it, it views how you uh, it changes how you view the story or or the character or whatever. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the family aren't fans of him not being there, though, are they? It's it's kind of a a strange one. It's like they don't want Homer around, but then when he's not there, they're like, ah, oh, but we we kind of prefer you to be here, Dad, because they mm-hmm. do love their dad. Um, but what I did like here was that at least uh, he's trying. To, to involve his family with his life still. He's not just going, oh, I'm going to be late for dinner. Late, like, don't wait up. He's still trying to be involved. Yeah. Especially because, <laughs> listeners, I'm sorry, we recorded this episode in two parts and it was a little gap between. Parts, was, parts, was, parts pieces, please. Piece, parts, parts, pieces. <laughs> <laughs> this was the episode, though, where Marge says, ah, so my husband goes to the bar. Big whoop. Wasn't a fan of that moment. <laughs> no, no. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, he's trying his best to, you know, still be part of the uh, part of the Simpsons family dinner. Yeah, even to the point where he's on Zoom. Simpsons predicted it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have used like this kind of thing before. I think they, the first time they showed this was Lisa's wedding when they're talking to each other via a Skype-esque kind of video call. But yeah, you're right. In the same episode mm. where Marge didn't care that Homer was going to the, the bar every night, now all of a sudden they're just like, we want you to be home. And it's like, you didn't care. Make ago. up your mind, Simpsons. <laughs> hey, Dad, you said you were going to play catch with me tonight. Well, I have to work, but give the monitor a kiss. I don't want to do that. Come on, boy, you're not too old to kiss your daddy's monitor. Hey, that's a printer port, not a finger hole. He then arrives home late. They have to lay off 27 robots. Don't tell me they can't cry. <laughs> <laughs> We're now back at the power plant, and he sees Bart outside the window whilst he's in his office, and Bart's playing baseball with uh, all of his friends. A little bit of a dig here, Billy Crystal. I don't know. Was it? Was it? I'm like, guessing this is about the time that his uh, stage play seven is it seven hundred Saturdays or seven hundred Sundays or something along those lines. I don't lines. know it. No. Uh, but yeah, Billy Crystal was very big on baseball, and I think his stage show talked a bit about that to the point where. Anytime he was on a talk show, like he'd go on Leno or Letterman or whatever, he'd end up sort of telling baseball anecdotes. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I think sense. he also, he directed a movie called 51 or 61 about the rivalry between Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, these two great um, 50s uh, baseballers. Billy so Crystal he, did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. he sort of became an unofficial authority on baseball for a while. I had no idea. Okay, that that yeah. makes much more sense, yep. Yeah. Cool. But it's still not cool for Nelson to be... And, and the writing staff of The Simpsons to be dismissing Billy Crystal in that fashion. I won't have it, I tell you. <laughs> Burns then arrives, uh, but Smithers is not there. Why? Because he's in prison for, I think it's, what is it, 80 years or something? For an 90? Bus? I think it's it might a, be 90. Really long time, yep. <laughs> we get Mr. Burns here using the, Homer, I worked here three score and twain. 
That's how long in New English, Mr. Davis? Do you remember? That is 62 years. That was one of my trivia questions. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. That I didn't get around to sharing with you. But so, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. So Homer's just basically pointing out to Mr. Burns that I don't know how you do it, mate. There's just so much work. And he's been doing it for like a week, if that. And he shows Homer the cemetery of the all the people that he had no time for in his life. His fiance, Gertrude. He was, Gertrude. wasn't there for the wedding, the honeymoon, or the divorce proceedings. <laughs> I. It was just, it, it, I, I don't care. It didn't bother me. It, I, th- I just thought it felt weird that Homer completely understood what Burns was trying to do there. Like, there was no gay. It was just like, do you see what I'm trying to tell you, Homer? <laughs> yes. And, and, and like, he actually explains it correctly. I'm like, normally there, you'd have Homer completely misunderstand. And then Burns go, no, you idiot. I'm trying yeah. to show you this. Misunderstanding or dismissive or whatever. But no, no, they're very much in sync, these two. Yes. He then turns around and shoots him. I liked this. I was like, oh, Evil Burns. We haven't really seen true Evil Burns for a while, and I liked it. The music changes, it gets a bit darker, and he has that sort of look on his face like, yep. It reminded me of Who Shot Mr. Burns, that, that era of Mr. Burns. It was pretty cool. And he um, shoots him in the neck with a, I think it was in the neck and the dark gun, and he falls into the uh, mausoleum, and he says he's going to brick him up and leave him in there forever and take the power plant back. Unfortunately, though... Wake up yes, next we- morning. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Burns did not take into account his own decrepitude. The only th- which, to me, it kind of felt like it threw that whole... Well, we just got a really cool Mr. Burns kick-ass moment, and they threw it out the window. For this. It, it, it was funny, but I was like, ah, just you, you almost gave us Mr. Burns back, and then you took him away again. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I... I think it was worth it for the gag. I thought it was pretty funny, the fact that he's come up with this... Oh, it was funny, yeah. ...wonderful... <laughs> devious scheme to imprison Homer and entomb him alive, essentially. And then he's just, I'll put you in brick by brick, so very slowly. (laughs) And Homer just puts the blanket on him. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Just, you know, Homer's inherent sweetness invariably comes through, doesn't it? How many times does he jackass Homer? Yes, I much prefer this version of Homer, for sure. A good egg. I do like the Mr. Burns Homer stories. You know the episode Mountain of Madness where they get locked in the locked in the um the cabin? That's right, yeah. Like episodes yeah. where Mr. Burns and Homer are like trapped somewhere together or whatever, it's always yeah. it's always good fun. Or the one where they're sort of forced into some arrangement of convenience or mutually beneficial yeah. kind of deal. The one with the Julie Louis Dreyfus, for instance. Yeah, the Loch Ness monster. Hmm. It's now Homer's three hundred and fifth everything back to normal barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice if they just had a Change that slightly and called it a BBBQ. <laughs> oh, God. But Homer is playing baseball with Bart, and this was just a nice moment. She starts strangling him. See, this is the kind of stuff that mum won't do with me. Mm. Yeah, so it was just, uh, they made it. Uh, when episodes that end on a nice, sweet ending that feels somewhat earned or it feels like the episode deserved it, uh, I like yeah. it. And I, this episode, I thought, was another another winner. I really enjoyed C.E. Doe. Let's not lie. These aren't classic episodes of The Simpsons, but for a good several weeks now, nothing has really bothered me. I thought they've all been pretty good. Pray Anything was a little bit off. It wasn't terrible. Mm. It was a little bit off, but I thought so far I'm, I'm really enjoying this season. I've got to say so as well. Yeah, The ones that we've been getting, uh, as you said, no, not classics. They're not vintage or, or golden age Simpsons, but they're very, very satisfying. Yeah. You come away from it and go, yeah, had a few smiles, had a few laughs. I'm sorry, I'm, I tend to say that about a few recent episodes, but... but that, isn't that what you want when you turn on a comedy show if it goes to 20 It is. Minutes? It's a very good batting average. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well played, uh, Dana Gould. Another fine episode. And shout out to, was it Mike B. Anderson who directed this one? 
But what makes sense, because I do love me some Mike B. Anderson. He's a great director and a very fine gentleman. So good combination, Mr. Gould and Mr. Anderson. Well played. Just like a very good combination is Mr. Dando and Mr. Davis, you might yes, say. Yes, you might say that indeed. You might say that. <laughs> what do we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Well, some people say that uh, living well is the best revenge, but uh, I'm not sure if uh, that actually stands up against uh, some FaceTime with Sweet Lady Brick. <laughs> Apparently not. I've learned that I don't think I ever want to go to Marrakesh. Well, at least, <laughs> at least don't go there to source opium. I don't think you could do anything but source opium. <laughs> I, don't, I, <laughs> I think you'd probably be trying to get a cheeseburger or something and just end up with a big pile of opium. From this day forward, your name shall be... All right, it's time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. All right. The current leaderboard stands at this. In third position, we have a tie between Steve Roberts and D.L. Gorman on eight. In second position, we have Talia and Enriquez on 11 points. And in first position, we have Philip Hawkins on 20 points. All right. Oof. Hit me. Okay, then. Let's just go straight to it. Gold, mm-hmm. silver, and bronze. Three, two, one. One point. Goes to Talia. Twelve Enriquez. Hmm. Yep, she's got a point for return to the status quo. Yeah, that's good. I like it. <laughs> it's in the way that I tell them. Yes. Um, we're splitting. No, no, no. We're not splitting. We're not splitting. Yeah, we're not. Two points. Two points go to two points. The man soaring above it all, Philip Hawkins. Oh, he's getting away, isn't he? He is. But he gave us two good titles this time around. Mm-hmm. Nuke Kid on the Block. Nuke Kid, yeah. And Tycoon Buffoon. Tycoon Buffoon. I think I enjoy that one more. It just sounds fun. Typhoon. Tycoon Buffoon. Tycoon Buffoon. Yes. Sounds, sounds like a, a family board game. Hey, Mum, <laughs> you want to play Tycoon Buffoon? <laughs> Only if I'm not the buffoon this time. I hate being the buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to work your way up the corporate ladder, Mum. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> sounds like a, yeah, just like a, a shitty version of Monopoly. It does. It's like <laughs> it's just the recheck shop version. <laughs> and three points, three points, two people each. Well, mm. two. We're splitting it. Both getting three. Yes, both two people each getting three points. One of them is James Proctor. James Proctor. Well done, sir. That puts you on six, and he's giving um, us what. Well, these two titles are a bit similar. They're variations on a theme. Huh. James gave us Dog Style Takeover. Not bad. And Luke McKay mm. gave us Hostile Take Homer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were both good. I couldn't separate them. They're very so similar, aren't they? Yes. I made, a, I made an executive decision, not unlike Homer J, and... Gave him three points apiece. So I pay you the big bucks, Mr. Davis. You're here to make the big decisions. Well, that puts Luke McKay in third <laughs> position now on nine points. He has jumped ahead of DL and Steve Roberts. Wow. Second position, Talia Enriquez on 12 and Phil Hawkins on 22 points. It's going to be hard to catch old Philip Hawkins now, I think, Mr. Davis. We're closing in on the end of the season. I think there's about six, seven rounds left to go. Oh, but anything yeah. can happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen indeed. That is right. Don't forget, guys, keep sending your new names in because even if you don't win, just getting your name on the leaderboard gets you into the wildcard draw at the end of the season as well to win the wildcard prize. So keep sending your names in. We do appreciate you guys contributing. Remember, if you do want to contribute, you just got to be a patron of Four Finger Discount. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash discount for as little as $1 per month will get you access to the Facebook group where you can join in with all of the other patrons. But now, Mr. Davis, it is time for... 
Mailbag. Mailbag. Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh. First question here comes from Andrew Swan. Andrew Swan says, what's a time when you felt a bit too underqualified with work or other situations? Well, you're talking to a guy who doesn't even know how to properly unlock a car door, and I used to work in a car factory, so I used to feel <laughs> pretty uh, underqualified when I worked in the Ford factory. <laughs> guys would be talking about all the car stuff, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 fucking yeah, oil and getting dirty and stuff, yeah. <laughs> what about yourself? Um, I'm remembering the first day that I worked at Pop Culture, actually, and they popped me down next to uh, a fellow who said, call me Dando. <laughs> Really? Okay. Um, Did I really? <laughs> who then walked me through the uh, the loading process, the uh, the data entry process at uh, at PC? Took me a little while, and I was continually sort of asking him dumbass questions. And Dando, to his credit, was like, "Mate, don't worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> Very nice of him. I think that was I don't know. I felt a bit unqual underqualified there for a, a little while because I was not used to certain programs like Photoshop. Yeah, but then you're like, oh, now writing descriptions, that's where I'm a Viking. (laughs) That's correct. I felt very good about that. There are other things I had to learn. And I don't know, I think that's something that I've certainly had to overcome. I think a few people have had to overcome things like just feeling a bit inadequate at the workplace, like, and realizing it's okay. Yes. I do remember the day when. They came down from like, we call it head office. We don't call it that, but like upstairs. And they were designing this new product upstairs. And they came downstairs and said, where's Guy? Oh, there's Guy. Uh, we specifically want you to write the description. And you were just like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> me? <laughs> Little old me? <laughs> and then they kicked me out to work in the warehouse. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Andrew JP. What's he said? What's the best and worst work-related team-building exercise you've had to do? Team-building oh, exercise. Yeah. Look, I feel very fortunate in this, in this regard because for the bulk of my career, I worked pretty much solo. You know, I um, yeah. I had my home office. I yeah, had people... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had people that I intera- had to interact with, but it was generally via email. There would be occasions when it'd be like, hey, do you want to come to the Christmas party? And I think I went once or twice. Um, there was an occasion a few years ago when I was doing some freelance stuff for, um, for this marketing firm okay. and was working around Christmas time. And they said, come to a Christmas party. I said, oh, yeah, no worries. Free I'll drinks, be there. Bit of, bit of snackage. Hmm. I will be there. And it was one of those places where they'd hired a lot of um, quote-unquote fun equipment. You know, I think I've mentioned this before, those... Uh, not those big sumo suits, but the balls you sort of run around yeah. in. Yeah, and we played a bit of soccer that way, but it was a lot of running into people. I realised, God, I'm out of shape. This this kind of sucks. I'm, I think I've reached the stage in my life where when it comes to a Christmas party, I just want to sit down, have a beverage, and just go, wow, what a year it's been, guys. So, yeah, team-building <laughs> exercises, can't say I'm into them. I, this isn't my team. I was a part of this team building exercise, but it wasn't my me working for the business. So basically, my dad used to work for a place called Candy Footwear in Geelong, which is mm-hmm. now the Cotton On building. And he was a supervisor, but they used to have a uh, Candy Footwear versus, I think it might have been Grosby or some other shoe company football <laughs> game. Football game, right? And then one year, they got me when I was like, I don't know, seven or eight to be a part of the Candy Footwear team. So I was just this little kid. And oh. it's, it's one of my favorite memories as a kid because... They all, even like the opposition, it was just for a bit of fun. It's kind of like when you watch the AFL Legends match. They weren't yeah. taking it seriously. 
And I just remember that this guy was running into a goal and he saw me standing there. And he said, come here, come here, come here. And whatever to him, he like handballed the ball to me. He said, like, kick the goal. And I remember kicking that goal and I felt like such a hero. Everyone's like cheering, cheering for me and, <laughs> and picking up on their shoulders. So like I was a part of that team, team building exercise. It's a very Australian thing, company versus company footy game. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, all right, we'll do one more question here from the patrons and then we'll head over to our... Twitter and our Instagram mailbags, as well as the Simpsons mailbag at gmail.com. All right, let's pick one more. Oh, here we go. Mark Boston Burgess, I'm just going to ask this one to you. I want to hear your, hear your answer. What type of CEO would you be, Mr. Davis? Hoping not like that bloody billionaire tyrant, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Mark Boston Burgess, throwing in one of my favourite lines. Um, I like to think I'd be a good one, relatively hands-off, although I get a terrible feeling I'd be something of a micromanager. I feel like you'd be the one that's like, you know, really easy going, blah, blah, blah. And then one day your workers just take you that little bit too, too f- they take advantage of you that little bit too you much. took advantage, yes. And it's just like, <laughs> listen up, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. On the occasions when I've sort of had to organize teams or outfits, and usually hasn't been in a corporate setting, but when I've had to, quote unquote, take charge, I like to think I've been okay at it, mm-hmm. better than I thought I'd be. So, CEOs just sort of sit at the very top of the building and occasionally bark orders at like a Smithers and then, yeah, and it all sort of rolls downhill. I think I'd like to be like, a, if I had to do something like this, I think I'd be a manager, like a cold face kind of guy. It's okay. Like, hey guys, what's going on? Need any help with that one? No? Okay. I'm going to be in my office yeah. listening to vinyl. You'd be, a, you'd be a very good boss, I can imagine for sure. Well... Thank you, Dan. It's sweet of you to say so, mate. You're already a very good boss. I mean, you're clearly the CEO of Four Finger Discount Enterprises. Uh, the Simpsons Mailbag at gmail.com. We've got a question. or This is another question. It's more of just a, a message from our dear listener, Harry Burgess. He says, G'day, Dando and Guy. What's up, Harry? I started listening to Four Finger Discount in early 2020, so he's a new listener. And after quickly playing catch up from the very start, I've been listening in on a, listening in weekly for the last 18 months. Thought it was about time I'd touch base. I love your work on the podcast and the different perspectives you both provide. Keep up the great work, fellas. I've attached a couple of photos of the Simpsons tattoos I've collected over the last few years for your viewing. <laughs> Excuse the hairy, pasty legs. Any potential future Simpsons on the cards for... I- any potu- uh, potential future Simpsons tattoos, I think he means, for either of you or any suggestions for my growing collection? So he's got photos here. He's got Hank Scorpio. He's got Jasper with the paddle. He's got Hans Mummel <laughs> hitting the groin with the football. The three good ones there. I've always, if I'm going to get the a t- Simpsons tattoo, I think I want to get, and I've explained this before on the previous podcast, um, Homer, when he goes into the 3D world, and Frink draws a little squiggle on the board of Homer's head in a cube. Oh. I remember that moment for me taught me how to draw a 3D cube. I remember going to school the next day and drawing a cube, and the kids were like, whoa. So that moment, I just remember that moment being very cool. So I, I do like that visual. I'm glad that the the drawing of a cube for the first time and blowing your mind in that regard is something that never changes. I remember doing that when I was a kid and like, well, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's so <laughs> awesome. And the, I, I went there from The Simpsons, yeah. Um, so that was a pretty cool moment. What's suggestions? Send it in, guys. SimpsonsMalbig at gmail.com or patrons. Let us know or let Harry Burgess know what tattoos should he get. And if you guys have Simpsons tattoos, I'd love to see what you guys have got as well. So send your photos yeah. through to SimpsonsMalbag at gmail.com. I'd love to check them out. Maybe we can share them on the Facebook page at the end of the year or something like that. Anyway. I so think that'd be great. Thank you for the message, Harry. Don't forget, guys, to send your questions and your messages through to SimpsonsMailbag at gmail.com. Now, let's head over to our Twitter where I asked for some uh, questions this week as well, some mailbag questions. Let's head to the page. Let's see what questions we've had come through. 
All right. Don't forget, guys, to follow us at Four Finger Pod on Twitter. All right. First question here comes from Clint White at Clint J White. His question is, am I too late to get a question in? No, you're not. And then, <laughs> and then he responded <laughs> saying, okay, thoughts on both Fargo in general and the latest two-episode tribute. All right. So actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to save this question for next week, Clint, because I haven't watched it yet. So the last couple of weeks, they did a two-part Flanders special, which oh. was Fargo-esque. So maybe nice. you and I, Guy, could uh, review it maybe for the, the YouTube or just for our listeners. We'll, we'll, anyway, we'll give our thoughts on it next week. So we'll, sorry, Clint, we'll save that one in the, um, in the mailbag for next week. We'll mm-hmm. both watch the uh, the two part special, and we'll let you know what we thought of it next week, and then Guy can uh, discuss his love of Fargo as well. I'll add my two cents. Yes. <laughs> so this one here comes from at movies underscore beer three six five. They oh. say you're on a deserted island with Rod, Todd, Martin, Milhouse, and Ralph. In what order, first to last, would you, they drive you insane, and how? Oh, I responded to that saying, "Well, who would you eat first? And they yeah. said, "They said Ralph." He's mainly fat and gristle. No meat. Rod and Todd are next. They're boring, so I'm thinking they taste like vanilla. Then Martin. <laughs> Martin, he's smart, so he's brain food. Much like tuna. Save the best for last, Millhouse. He probably tastes like Olive Garden due to having two spaghetti meals in one day. <laughs> <laughs> I can't top that answer. I don't think you can either. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I think Movies Beer 365, great handle, by the way. Um, you've won this round. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Don't forget, guys. Each week now, I'm going to post on our Twitter at Four Finger Pod asking for some mailbag questions. So, if emailing isn't your thing and Twitter's your thing, you can contact us that way. Let's now head over to the Instagram page. Uh, you can follow us there at Four Finger Discount, where I also asked for some mailbag questions. Did any come through? We shall soon find out. All right. So, <clears throat> this one's from at Hey Internet. Oh, that's from the same. That's the same dude from Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. This one's his <laughs> at. Instagram.Adam says, any comedy bands that you guys are fans of? I personally love uh, the musical Shotgun's work, but Flight of the Concords is up there for me too. Yeah, Flight of the Concords is a big one, isn't it? Flight of the Concords is, the minute you said I'm just really nodding their head so much that my head almost fell off. Tripod were a big one in Australia. Tripod were big, weren't they? Scared weird little guys, were they a... um who else? Spinal Tap. Let's go back yeah, to the original. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I saw a. Um, I nearly picked it up and purchased it. It was twenty five bucks. I only had twenty dollar note on me and my my, my, uh, my wallet. But it was Harry Shearer's latest album. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming it's a comedy album. But I'm gonna go back to JB this weekend and purchase With an it extra five bucks in your pocket. All right. So two more questions here. At six string eighty one. Are you guys really the host of Four Finger Discount? <laughs> <laughs> and finally here from at Stay Gordon. Uh, 87. He says, what do you think about Plusversary? Have, so have you watched the little three-minute special? I have not. I've seen a bit about it, but I have not had uh, a chance to look at it because I have not had spare three minutes. Why are they wasting... It was pointless, in my opinion. But anyway, yeah. I'm sure there's people out there who enjoyed it, but to me, just pointless. He says he enjoyed it, ridic- ridiculous as it was, but the funny thing is, whilst the Disney Plus specials aren't the best, they're dragging my kids into liking the show, and I've been able to watch a couple of full episodes with them. Are you finding the same thing, Brendan? I haven't yeah. tried watching Simpsons with Elliot much yet because he's still fascinated with dinosaurs. If something doesn't have dinosaurs in it, then he's not <laughs> going to watch it. I could maybe put um, Time and Punishment on from Trials of Horror 5. You might like that because there's dinosaurs in that one. Sure. I'm sure there will come whatever, a point whatever gets him in the door. Elliot's only three, so I'm sure there will come a point where he's just like. I mean, every kid loves The Simpsons at some point. There will come a point where he'll just become Simpsons mad, and I'll be in heaven. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's pretty interesting, though, to considering that 
those things are what's getting his kids into The Simpsons. I can see how that would work, just being on Disney Plus and just coming across it. Oh, what's that? Because when whenever there's an image of The Simpsons on Disney Plus, it just stands out so much because it's so yellow and bright. Yeah. But um, for me personally, I just thought it was a big waste of time. Have you watched any of the other ones, like the Marvel one and things like that? No, no. They've got such sort of mixed press. And um, I think it's... So-so I, I, fan response. And I'm like... I, I really I, want to like them. Mm-hmm. And... I know a lot of the people who work on it and I really love those people but I'm sorry they just they just feel like it feels like they're putting out content and not quality like yeah. Disney Plus is like you've got to give us six of these a year so they're just doing it because they have to that's what it feels like anyway that's a shame that's yeah. a shame but you know, don't let my opinion sway you away from watching if you haven't checked it out it's three minutes go and do it well it's only three minutes yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure I can I can find three minutes eventually there's Maybe many, not all at once. There's two. many things guy can do in three minutes. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> all right, guys, that is our review of CE Doe. We hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to keep sending your uh, reviews and ratings through on iTunes, even though we already hit the big 501. We this made week. it! Yes. Thank you so much, guys, for sending all of your reviews through. We've got a new review this week as well from Cameron987656675. <laughs> Not says, at all a bot. <laughs> no, he says, The Best Simpsons Podcast. This podcast is one of three that I listen to immediately when it comes out. Dando and Guy provide amusing comedy and anecdotes, as well as providing constructive criticism of America's yellowest family. Keep up the awesome work, guys. Well, thank you for your review, Cameron. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Cam, and your many numbers. <laughs> Don't forget, guys, to continue to please give us uh, five stars on, on Apple Podcasts and leave a kind review, and we'll read it out on next week's show. We did get someone that wrote in saying, I left the review and never read it out. Well, we did read it out, and then I made the executive decision to cut it out because it was the one that made fun of Mitch's testosterone levels. <laughs> so went, That's our job. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, this is pretty mean I'm gonna, I'm, I might just leave this one out <laughs> but we did we did get your review thank you for sending that one through you can find that review on our on our uh, Apple podcast page as well if you want to check that one out hmm. right next week Mr. Davis we're going to be reviewing an episode that I was never huge on uh, it's the one called excuse me while I miss the sky it's where a documentarian goes to Springfield Elementary I feel like I'm going to enjoy it more than I'm older. I remember as a kid, I was just like, what is this shit? I, don't, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I remember it being one that I didn't like. So hopefully, with all the, uh, the, the, the quality that we've been getting in season 14, hopefully the consistency is still there and this one is not a bad one. I, I, I have faith. I have the faith. Let's, let's see who it's uh, directed by. Let's, let's, let's have a little sneak peek. I just love the idea of a little Dando in front of the t- What's this shit? <laughs> directed by Stephen Dean Moore and written by Dan Graney. So... We shall see whether this is a good episode. But don't forget, guys, uh, continue to follow us on Twitter at FourFingerPod, at FourFingerDiscount on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Send in your ratings and reviews on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, as they are to be called now. And if you do have a question for us or just want to send us a message, you can do so by SimpsonsMailbag at gmail.com. And if you do enjoy the show and everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, and you want to show some support and get access to a bunch of exclusive content, hours and hours of free exclusive content in return, you can Woo. do so by joining the family at patreon.com slash four-finger discount for as little as one single dollar per month. All helps go towards the show so we can buy new gear, new equipment, and make the best possible show for all of you beautiful listeners out there. I'm assuming they're beautiful. In their own way. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure they've all got great personalities. Alright guys, that is that has been CE Doe. Next week is <laughs> excuse me while what's it called? Excuse me while I miss the sky. I am Dando, Mr. Davis. Any final words for those beautiful listeners out there? Well, tonight, beautiful listeners, 
I hope we threw the heat. Shh.